Hi, Dr. Natalie here from Dr. Go Figure, and this week's podcast and YouTube is all about how to get a good night's sleep and why it's important. So this is following on from a previous episode where I talked about um, why not sleeping well can really affect our weight. But I thought we should do a deeper dive into it. And rather than me just telling you that it's really bad if you don't get enough sleep, I thought maybe we should actually have a look at some of the things that can allow us to sleep better. There's all kinds of myths around what, what good sleep constitutes or how to get it. And I think one of the myths that we need to just get rid of right now is the idea that a glass of wine in the evening is going to help you sleep. On one hand, yes, it does, because it makes you feel a bit sleepy. But on the other hand, it massively disrupts your sleep cycles. So although you might fall asleep more quickly, you won't sleep deeply enough. And that's why even one glass of wine in the evening can actually massively affect your sleep for the whole night. And you won't necessarily wake up feeling refreshed because you never got into that deep sleep. But anyway, I just thought I'd put that out there. I think one of the problems is bearing in mind that sleep is so fundamental to our health. Why is it so difficult to fall asleep or stay asleep or actually get the prescribed eight hours of sleep a night? And I think it's to do with the fact that there is just so much going on in our lives. Probably most people who are tuning into these uh, podcast and YouTube episodes are probably between the ages of 30 to 65. This is a time of huge responsibility in our lives. You know, maybe you're just trying to get your career underway or you're fighting for a promotion or you've got children to worry about or mortgages to pay. Whatever's going on, we have massive external pressures in our lives. And then when you add in today's easily accessible technology, it means it's increasingly difficult to turn off. I know for a fact most people will spend an evening idly flicking through Instagram or involved on a group chat or maybe watching something on their iPad. Whatever it is, we are constantly on. In the olden days, when you used to have to sit around a fire and listen to a wireless, things were very much calmer and we were not being inundated with information all the time. And that's exactly what's happening to us at the moment. This enormous, you know, it, we are bombarded all the time with information and some of it good and some of it bad. But the point is, it's very, very difficult to get a clear head and a clear mind in order to switch off in the evening. In fact, I think the Sleep Health Foundation found that even one and a half hours on a device will affect your sleep that evening. Now, I don't know that there's anybody, I can't even imagine anybody in this world that isn't spending one and a half hours in their evenings, not on some kind of device. So the issue with devices, it's not just the amount of information that you're being bombarded with, it's, it's the light. The device emits light and that light basically keeps us in awakened state. Now, going back to our caveman days, um, what would be happening is as the sun was setting, the light starts dimming, your body starts realizing it's bedtime, you release the sleep hormone melatonin, and this is a massive signal to your body that it's time to go to sleep. But if you are on a device until five seconds before you switch the light out to go to bed, you're not getting any of that um, sort of relaxation, getting into the routine or rhythm of sleep. So you are really disrupting your circadian rhythms. So my first tip, on how to get a better night's sleep is 
shock horror don't go on your devices in the evening or and that includes tv i was actually a bit horrified about the fact that you couldn't watch tv because i was thinking it's fine i'm not on my device i watch tv but it's the same light glow coming from the tv as from the screen it doesn't really make any difference so i think things to consider you could try this for a week are not watch tv or devices but think about the more old-fashioned pastimes like board games playing chess, listening to music, reading a book. You could try that for a week and see if that has any improvement at all on your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. And for all you party animals out here that live for the weekend, I'm afraid to say my next helpful hint and tip is actually what we should be doing is keeping the same bedtime and wake up time throughout the whole week. So uh, Saturday and Sunday is no exception. We should be going to bed. If you go to bed at 10 o'clock and get, get up at six, then we should stick to that routine because your body likes routine and your body expects routine. And I'm sure you've been at certain social events on a Friday night and your eyes have been drooping at 10 o'clock in the evening because that's what time your body thought it was going to go to bed at. Um, the more that you can stay in a routine, the better, because if you are in a routine, your body's, body, your body's clock is already setting itself to get you prepared to go to sleep and get you prepared to wake up. And if you push it out by one or two hours at the weekend, it does have a detrimental effect even for the start of the next week, because all of a sudden it's Sunday night and instead of going to bed at 10, you're kind of not sleepy, it's 11, it's 11.30, then the knock-on effect is you don't want to get up at 6, it's more like 7, 7.30. Um, and then you start the week kind of a bit tired and sluggish. So my next hint and tip is don't sacrifice sleep. It's so important for you to function. It's, it's important it's when your body repairs itself, you wake up feeling refreshed, you've got loads of energy the next day, but yet people sacrifice sleep all the time. And I came across this brilliant phrase. It's called revenge bedtime procrastination. How cool is that? Essentially what it means is you've decided you didn't quite fit in everything you wanted to do in the day and you still think there's some you know, downtime or relaxation due to you. So instead of thinking, well, actually, I've still got to get up at you know, 6.30 in the morning, it's 10 o'clock, I should go to bed. No, you think, well, I think I'll watch another episode of that TV programme or um, I'm going to go to the gym and then I'll go to bed later or I'm going to read the extra chapter in the book. And so you're putting off bedtime because in your mind, you are rewarding yourself for whatever happened that day with something you want to do as opposed to actually going to sleep. When you know, fundamentally, heart of hearts, what you should be doing is go to sleep because you'll feel way better tomorrow morning. So I came across that term while researching this and I thought, what a brilliant term, revenge bedtime procrastination. Don't do it, folks. All right, my next hint and tip is actually have a routine to go to bed with. So, you know, some people um, can just switch the lights out and they've gone. They're, they're literally fast asleep within seconds. Um, but for most of us, there has to be a little bit of a wind down time. So the last half an hour of bedtime really should be probably reading in bed. So no, no external um, stimulation from devices, a dimmed bedroom light, because this is all back to caveman times when the sun's going down and you're getting ready to, to go to bed because you're feeling sleepy. Um, so no, don't be listening to the news and getting all upset about world events that you can't control. Um, it's just everything now is all about just the relaxation, the quietness, 
your body is now moving from uh, daytime uh, alertness down to sort of sleepiness and ready to go to sleep. But it, for most people, it's about a 30 minute thing. So if you wanted to be lights out at 10.30, then you should be in bed at 10 o'clock. The other thing is you should be thinking about bed. Bed is for probably just a couple of things, which would be for sleeping and sex and probably not much else. I did also come across this thing called uh, WFB. Obviously WFH is work from home. WFB is work from bed. I was like, that's bonkers. How can anybody work from bed? But apparently it's, it's a thing. So people get up, you know, still in their PJs, get the computer out, they're typing away on their bed. And that's quite difficult. It's a bit unhealthy because the reality is when you then want to go to sleep in your bed, you're not making the correct associations that bed is for sleep and relaxation because in your mind, you can now do your emails and do your work from bed. So I don't think that work from bed is a particularly brilliant idea and should be avoided at all costs. I think, you know, the idea of just getting out of bed and moving somewhere else to do your work is very clear signaling to your brain that we are, we're not in sleep mode anymore we're in wake mode so again avoid WFB so a good night's sleep is not necessarily always to do with what you do just before bed you know your nighttime routine it's got an awful lot to do with actually how you live your life during the day um, one great thing and it's a lovely thing to do is you know when it's really bright in the morning you should actually get up and before you really engage and do anything else the first thing you should do is actually get out into that early morning light it's really empowering it really sets your body up for the day it is telling your body it's wake up time time to go it's a very energizing time of the day um, and also it's setting your circadian rhythms so your melatonin will be decreasing um, you'll be ready for the day and then that's the first thing that starts in order for your melatonin then to drop later on around about nine o'clock for you to start feeling sleepy so it's a brilliant start to the day and it makes you feel epic um, other things to do though are move your body especially because obviously we're talking a lot about weight loss and health um, moving your body I think it's important to be physically tired to some degree or other um, I don't know if you've ever done things that made you feel so shattered and you've had the best night's sleep ever your body literally couldn't wait to be lying down and flat and ready to go to sleep um, but being we can't get to that state all the time it's quite unusual for most of us but to do something during the day whether it's your workout you've gone for a swim you've gone for a bike ride you've gone for a walk anything to get moving and if you do that movement earlier on in the day also it's brilliant for just priming your body for all of the activity that's going to come later you are getting your blood pumping you're getting more oxygen to your brain that's going to help you think better you're moving your lymphatic system which is going to release the toxins from the body brilliant for your immunity so obviously we've got well we'll be coming into winter at some point and you need your immunity your immune system to be super boosted for the winter um, and just moving just moving is a brilliant way to do that so you have to get ready for nighttime by being active during the daytime um, think about how much caffeine you're drinking and this can be uh, quite a nasty circle people get into so they, um, they, they, they find it difficult to fall asleep 
then they don't get enough sleep so they're tired and then they spend most of their day just drinking caffeine to try and keep awake again. The issue is though, even if the caffeine is not making your heart pound or your mouth go dry or all the things that can get associated with having too much caffeine, it's really stimulating. So you might not necessarily feel stimulated but your brain is stimulated. So there are now schools of thought that are saying that you shouldn't really have caffeine after about midday. So um, if you're going to be drinking the teas and the coffees think about having the last one at lunchtime and then don't have any more caffeine and again see what that does for your sleep um, if you do have a habit of having a hot drink in the evening then it could be a herbal tea or it could be a decaffeinated tea or coffee or something like that but massively avoid the caffeine Fortunately now, I think that the decaffeinated drinks do taste better. They're not quite as disgusting as they used to be. Still not my favorite, but um, they're, they're palatable now. So sometimes I do have a decaf tea rather than a cup of tea in mid-afternoon. Interestingly, even if I do feel that little mid-afternoon lull, even if I do feel my energy's dipped a little bit, I think sometimes it's the psychology of having a tea as opposed to the caffeine that you really need. So there's another little hint and tip, avoid caffeine after 12. Another thing we should consider is not eating our last meal too late at night because really you should have about a three hour gap between eating and going to bed. So if you go to bed at 10 o'clock, that's a seven o'clock cutoff roughly for your last meal. Now, the reason being is our body generally has two states, rest and digest. So when you're digesting, there's a whole lot of activity going on in your body and it may interrupt your sleep. So I'm sure you can all remember a time when you had a big meal and it was late at night and then you went to sleep, but you didn't sleep particularly well. You felt a little bit uh, over full, a bit uncomfortable, maybe a bit gassy, uh, maybe even a bit of tummy ache. And it's all because your body at this point is now trying to digest the food while you're lying down. Um, and if you go to bed without eating um, late, um, I have actually slept much better. Which is interesting because I am your archetypal nine o'clock snacker and I've got to stop. And now I've done this podcast, I'm stopping. That's the end of it. Never again. But um, I would definitely be somebody that would have my, my dinner, maybe about uh, seven o'clock at night. And then I'd be, you know, getting a little bit munchy and not even hungry. I'm not even hungry. This is the annoyance of it. But I'd be like, oh, I just fancy something sweet. And before you know it, I found the lint chocolate or um, even, honestly, even a bowl of Cheerios or something. And this is really the worst thing I should be doing because I'm putting my body into digestion mode. It's got work to do. It's probably going to affect my sleep. I've spiked my insulin. So my blood sugars have gone up. My insulin's now gone up to deal with it and alongside it that's going to stop my human growth hormone from going up which it should be doing because I need human growth hormone at night because this is where it's repairing my body and it's helping me build muscles so I'm doing a huge amount of damage by having something I don't even need at nine o'clock at night I've taken that note and I'm definitely definitely not ever going to do that ever again um, it's going to be my new habit. Anyway, I'll check in with you ne next week and let you know whether or not I kept up with it. Seeing as I'm telling you all the things that you've got to do, I thought maybe I should do some of this as well myself. If sleep is a real problem for you and you've got horrible insomnia or you just can't stay asleep, there may be other things going on. So it's always worth checking in with your doctor before you know deciding that you're going to 
do some of the supplementation, I would suggest. Um, but I think there's two supplements that are really good for sleep. One of them is melatonin, so it's five milligrams in the evening. Now, in the UK, you need that to be prescribed by your doctor, but I do believe that you're allowed to import it from America if it's for personal use. Um, it's freely available in America. You can buy it in any of the pharmacies over there. Um, and five milligrams is a nice dose. If you have too much melatonin, actually it can give you a bit of a headache. So you'll know if you've, got, you've overdone it. And also it can make you quite drowsy. So you want to just take the, the right amount, probably an hour before bed. That's gonna set you up nicely to feel sleepy at bedtime. And if you've got the right amount, you will not have that hangover effect of drowsiness um, or not just quite feeling ready for the day. So you could try some melatonin. And the other one is, uh, some people find magnesium is very helpful and studies have shown that if you take magnesium, it can extend the amount of time that you are asleep. Um, and you will know if you need magnesium if you're getting a lot of muscle cramps or you know that twitchy eye that sometimes you get. Um, so again, it's not for everybody because magnesium does interfere with certain medications, so you would need to check. Um, but if you're somebody that's not sleeping terribly well and does get muscle cramps and you've checked with your doctor, then you could also try some magnesium. So those are my sort of hints and tips for getting a better night's sleep. Um, it's really important. It's worth trying a few of those things if you're struggling with street sleep and seeing what works for you. Some of this will work brilliantly for some people and some of it you'll be like, mm, that was useless. Um, but you do have to try and see which is going to work for you. So um, what I would suggest as always, homework, just try one of those things that most appeals to you. If you fancied playing chess or a board game with your other half and not watching TV this week, try that. Um, I'm going to obviously not be eating past my dinner time at seven o'clock. Um, and if you're somebody that does try um, drinking wine before bed because you think it's helping you, think again and maybe cut the wine out and go for something like a chamomile tea instead, which is also very relaxing. So until next week, have a very happy and healthy week. Thanks for watching or listening to us today. If you like what you've seen or heard, then remember to like, comment, subscribe and follow us on social media. We would love to have you along.